A little place. A little place called Aspen. This is the gondola cast with Andrew Wicks. Well, here we are, gondola cast number four. We're starting with the Ohio Snowcat Snow Immigrant Saga <laughs> number one. And we're here. A long tail that followed behind us. We're here with two of the original Ohio implants or transplants, I should say, who've come over and uh, keep this mountain and and some of the other four Aspensomas mountains skiing great, groom nicely, and uh, basically just the behind the scenes. We have Darren Crelly and Pat Cook here, along with a couple committee members. Guys, uh, how long ago did you move from Ohio, and who who was the first wave? Uh, yeah, so there was an original three, Pat and I, and Brad, who was supposed to be on this gondola with us, but has a brand new daughter and spaced on it because he's watching his daughter right now. So <laughs> Can't he, blame a guy. So uh, he, he couldn't take some ski laps and <coughs> burn some incense in the gondola. He had to take care of a child. Really how like could he? aspect to this story because he's the one who got Pat and I out here. Yeah, it really and, wouldn't have yeah. boiled into what it was without... He had a bigger plan yeah. for his entire group of friends. And so it was 2006. Let's go back to the beginning. Where in Ohio are you guys from? Uh, just south of Cleveland. LeBron uh, James land. Yeah, yeah, so, about 10 minutes away. So I'm about uh, 10 miles north of Akron, a little town called Hudson. And yeah, you, you have two hometowns. Two hometowns. You started in Parma, didn't you? Yeah, but I was living in Strongsville, Ohio, at the time. Time just uh, yeah, uh, fifteen twenty minutes south of uh, Cleveland. So, and, uh, did you three know each other in the beginning? You. So when I say that you we the, when I say we were the original three, and there was a long tail of guys that followed us, we all grew up skiing and snowboarding at this local result, resort called uh, Boston Mills Brandywine. So we all knew each other from like being just... Boston partners. Mills Brandywine. Yeah, we all knew A ski resort named after a booze. Actually, it was actually two. That's like Coors Light Hill in Aspen or something. So they're about a mile and a half away from each other. Boston Mills was more catered to the skier. And it's funny, when we started snowboarding, they actually didn't allow snowboarders on, the, on Boston Mills. Just like Ajax. Only on Brandywine, except for the weekends. So we we always felt a little oppressed over there. So know? we all met each other, just being park rats, uh, common interests, hitting well, rails and jumps heads. and stuff like that. Yeah. Did you guys drive cats in Ohio? No. So the first time I ever drove a snowcat was in Aspen, Colorado, right there at One A. So Dingus had the motivation to move so here. Dingus was living in Denver at the time, and correct me if I'm wrong, but there's been a lot of Red Bull Jaeger since then. <laughs> um, 2006, so my, yeah, my memory's a little fuzzy, but 2006, Brad was living in Denver, correct? Yes. At the time? Yeah, and he, he Kalina. And he took a random motorcycle ride to Aspen, if that's how you remember it. Yeah, and he drove, I'm pretty sure he drove straight to the 1A office and talked to Steve Fisher, our boss, our, our soon-to-be boss, and... Uh, the trails director of Aspen... Wound up getting a phone number, and 
we all had a common connection with a former groomer here on Ajax who built our our parks back home in Ohio. So there, there's even an Ohio grandfather. Yes, that kind of boiled it all too. What, what's the, what's the sensei's name? That's Chris Westover. Chris Westover, and is he still here? He's back in Ohio. No, uh, no, Utah. Snowbird. Snow. Uh, Mount, uh, wherever the Olympics were. Snow Basin. Snow Basin, yeah. He's the mountain manager in Snow Basin. So you guys had a little bit of connection, uh, yeah. Ohio yeah, connection. Yeah, that helped. <laughs> and so the interesting thing about the Snowcat department that year was they had such a huge employee turnover rate. There was like four or five positions available. So Brad just randomly came up here, talked to the trails director and the trails director told him hey we have like four or five positions open to drive snowcats and brad was like i'll fill every one of those positions <laughs> so the so, three of you make it out here no so he called so pat and i are living in ohio at the time and i it was a i can remember the day it was a typical ohio uh crappy day raining overcast crappy and i was working good some, skiing weather i was where it was the it was in the fall and it was, uh, it was like October or November. I was working some BS construction job. And I get a call from Brad and he says, Hey, you want to move to Colorado to drive snowcats? And either one of those would have got me to, to move. A snowcat <laughs> would have got me to move or Colorado would have got me to move. Both together, there was no questions. I was like, when do we leave? <laughs> and then who reached out to Pat here? So I got a similar phone call. Was I remember it too. I was watching golf on the couch with my dad. Like, hold on, Stingus, I gotta take this. Hey, what's up? Was, hey, you wanna move to Aspen? I was like, sure, what are we doing? <laughs> he said, we're gonna drive snowcats. And I was like, all right, um, you know, how do we how do we get this ball rolling here? What's, what's the right steps? Uh, we both got a phone number to call and a handful of phone interviews. Uh, we were told to be out there in two weeks. And, yeah. So fast forward, you make it out here. And I know that you lived in the race cabin down there above 1A. Yeah. Was that the was that the first place that Construction you lived? Construction trailer. So yeah, there was no questions like where are we gonna live, how are we gonna eat. It was pack all my stuff up, hop in the car, drive to Colorado. No questions asked. Pat and I actually followed each other on I-80. So yeah, uh, we did 80. Yeah, came out here, met up with Brad, and then uh, yeah, made it to Aspen and. Uh, it was. The, the boss, someone said the three of you well, the boss, can now have this sardine can on the side of the hill. First, yeah, it was, so. this was all during World Cup, the Women's World Cup. So there was so much action happening around the 1A office yeah. at that time, and that race trailer was being used for exactly what it's called. The race you guys trailer. were like trying to have Cheerios. And... We were sleeping in the office for the first <laughs> month, all of us in the actual office the actual space. Office, yeah. <laughs> sleeping on like the office chairs, chairs and, and shit. <laughs> So, finally they got fed up with us enough and the race was over and they, they allowed us to clear everything out and build some bunk beds. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just, <laughs> hey, you guys want to live in a construction trailer for the time being? We were like, yeah, no problem. I think we went to Lowe's, bought some uh, plywood, some nails, and built some bunk beds in the construction trailer out of, yeah, nails and plywood. <laughs> we had two TVs. One in Brad and I's room, and then one in the futon room. We had a living room. So it's sectioned off in three parts. There's actually, like, two rooms on opposite ends, and then a middle room that we had, all divided by, like, some two-by-four walls. And some sheets. To be clear, uh, this is just, a sing like, a single-wide trailer. 28 20 feet 20 wide by yeah. 20 feet? Yeah, 20. just a... Uh, 
construction trailer. Yeah. How long did you live in this trailer? All year. All I winter. And uh, all summer. I pulled about ten uh, months in there. I was the last one. So yeah, it's, it's divided into three sections, two bedrooms, and a center part. Uh, Brad and Pat lived in one section of the trailer. I lived in the opposite section of the trailer. In the middle had a futon with a TV. And that and was that where was like, like the movie theater was and was, the was bowling like a, alley? It was like yeah. a guest room, pretty much. And during X Games that year, I think we packed like, what, ten people in that thing? Yeah. <laughs> All our friends came How to visit us. I was, 22, I was 22 at the time. Yeah. You were so 21. 14, 14 years yeah. later, you're driving cats on Aspen. You're part of the veteran crew. Well, yeah. we're no longer living off of a hot plate, a waffle maker, and a microwave. Yeah, and showering true. in the girls' bathroom at 1A. Um, you know, Brad's Oh, they're still looking for you guys. Well, the beautiful yeah. thing about that was our time clock is at 1A. And... So we, we all, all three of us worked graveyard that year. So like, you know, when you first come in as a rookie, you have to work the crappy shift, which is 11.30 at night till 9 in the morning. I had to do it for 12 more years. And what time? 11.30 <laughs> at night till 9 in the morning. I remember, I remember you guys as so, that character. And so the beautiful thing about living in that, that uh, construction trailer was our time clock was literally a couple steps away. So when we had to go to work at 11.30, I would set my alarm for every night at like 11.25. Yeah, have a banana <laughs> on the way down. And, and like just stumble out of the trailer, clock in, and then, you know, brush my teeth, eat breakfast, you know, at 11.30 at night, and then uh, start our shift. But, yeah, I, you're literally like a couple steps away from the time you clock. Know, it was, just the it ski was industry so was, uh, it was geared all a little different back then. Yeah. You know, uh, there was a kegerator in the office, and, <laughs> you know, it was just... It was, it was pretty much a free-for-all. There weren't yeah. a whole bunch of regulations set in place. That's what they said about the 70s, so you can imagine <laughs> how much even crazier it was then. And one of the funny things, going back to like a lot more relaxed uh, atmosphere, was uh, yeah, learning how to drive a snowcat. I think uh, our manager that night... Our manager who taught us how to drive snowcats, he was, taught at first... is a very loose term. He, yeah, so he was he was kind of mad that the department had this huge employee turnover rate, and he had to teach a couple, like, 20-some-year-olds how to drive snowcats. Well, you know, he was all pissed off about it. So, like, my first night ever driving a snowcat, he, like, pretty much handed the, me the keys and said, go learn it. <laughs> I remember it taking me, like, a half hour to learn how to get the thing, like, even out of park and start making it up shush gully. <laughs> yeah. Things are a lot better now. Um, we have a new guy, you know, they have to ride around with us for, like, a couple days, and then they need a veteran operator to ride around with them when they're first behind the sticks. Plus a lot a more uh, formal now. Well, back and then, it was, it was just... And the saga we're unfolding, though, is that since then, there have been a plethora of Ohio guys, predominantly, who have come out to join you guys on the Snowcat Forces. Yes, I keep saying that there's a long tail of guys who have followed us. I don't even know what the number is, but... Brad counted ten current ones last week. Ten guys, man. A few few years ago, you guys counted thirteen. All from the same area and ski resort back home in Ohio. Can you name them all? We got me, Pat, Brad, uh, John Cody, Marky Mark, B-Kiss, Bradway, Bradway, Marshall, uh, Dom, Tom. Marshall. There's more. That's nine. That's nine. There's got to be more. Uh. <laughs> so we're looking at we're looking at nine, ten, 
and at some point you had a few more too. Yeah, up to thirteen down, Ohio yeah. transplants. Have all of these people somehow stemmed from your guys' movement? One hundred percent, absolutely. Would they agree with that, or did they have their own ideas? One hundred percent. You know, it's, one guy comes out and visits us. You know, gets some lift tickets off of us. Snowboards. Oh, Scott, Scott Kloss. Yeah. He was another one. The boss. Uh, the brain. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Brad Isaac. Yeah. Uh, so uh, one guy comes out here for vacation, sees what it is, sees the lifestyle we're living, and then they're sold. Hey, I want to come out here next year and do it. You got a job for me? <laughs> we're like, yep. Yeah. Do you ever have like an Ohio cat driver reunion? Uh, you guys be, go bowling or work? So we every used to go to Lake Powell after every year, which was really fun. The cat crew. We don't do much these days. I'm thinking about an Ohio specific tribal gathering. Uh, yeah, Pier Lakes. Dog, we should do something like that. Pier Lakes is almost. <laughs> I think I think we should get a picture. Yeah. If you're if you're down. Absolutely. So like I said, you guys have been grooming about 14 years. It was 45 degrees on Sunday. Today is Wednesday, February 5th. Negative 15 degrees this morning. Warmed up a bit today towards, you know, five degrees, but. Not so bad in the sun. How does that affect when you have that sort of temperature swing? What's going on with grooming there? We're um, lucky enough to get some snow between the 45 and the negative 15. If we didn't, that would have made everything really firm and icy. But with about four or five inches right there, it kind of sped everything up and made it awesome. Temperatures definitely affect how easy or not easy our job is. Oh, yeah. When we get warm weather, it makes the snow very firm, which makes us drive very slow to make our pass turn out better. And then when it's soft, we are able to drive faster, get more done, and the pass comes out a lot better when it's softer. So temperatures, conditions definitely affect how easy or not easy our job is. But, for example, this cold, soft, but firm at the same time, this is prime time grooming for us. We're in good shape. Well, it's been looking good. Thank you. For the first time in the four episodes, my hands are freezing holding this little <laughs> microphone. So... I'm going to buckle up, you guys down to take a lap, sure. spin one more, get into some uh, old-time Ohio stories, Absolutely. talk about your visions for Aspen. I don't know how many stories we can actually tell you on the mic here, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is true. We might, might not have a job after that, but uh, we'll, yeah, we'll tell some, uh, I think we got a couple stories we can tell. Yeah, yeah. Alright, we got Pat Cook and Darren Corelli here, part of some of the original Ohio Snowcat driver transplants that have since shaped our mountains and our mountain town. So stay tuned. Let's get some turns in. Where are we going? Uh, I like North American. North American spar. She's yeah. a North American. Let's get it. Sweaty on a cold day. <laughs> Sweaty with cold hands for me. These bad gloves. Scotch and espresso. That's the trick. It's the blood pump. That's the trick. Schnapps and espresso. And a run down spar. Oh, geez. Not for us. We have to work today. Not for these two. Clocking in at a half hour. You guys, uh, we're here with Pat Cook and Darren Corelli. You two know the mountain better than anyone else. You want to take the listeners through that last lap? High speeds. <laughs> uh, let's see. We started out coming down, came across Dipsy, 
into Buckhorn Cutoff, took Buckhorn Cutoff around Summit Corner, down what we call Lower Buckhorn, but to the public it's just Buckhorn. Uh, but that's how we categorize that from Buckhorn proper, the upper part of Buckhorn. Uh, down past Buckhorn Cabin into Midway Road, flying high over the race start on North American. <laughs> I saw a 360 and a front flip. And I always go into Canning's Road. That's one of my favorite ones. Um, some people like the, the hit lower, but now, for if, me, that's if the you're one. not acquainted, we're right above Bonnie's restaurant by now. North American, yeah, skiers right. And then uh, down past both Ajax Express Lift, Tortilla Flats, and uh, three and six, and FIS. Once you crest over FIS, if you're going into Spar with some speed, you can. You can pick it up pretty fast, but there were a lot of people in the funnel. The on this bottleneck one. got pretty congested. What was there. even scarier <laughs> was bottom of six of people camping out on the backside of that blind roller. Yeah, that was. But a heads I up, not a good place that. to be uh, underneath yeah. a blind roller. If you can't see them, they can't see you. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> so you guys are grooming tonight. What what's on the menu, what are you taking care of? Um, so Brad's lead tonight. So usually we get the uh, game plan from him. Um, so you're done out. Brad's <laughs> two nights off are Thursday and Friday, and I take over the lead position on Thursday and Fridays. But uh, yeah, so Brad's uh, working tonight. We'll get the game plan from him. Pat, what do you hope you're grooming tonight? Well, we know we're grooming Buckhorn Cutoff North American, Lower Buckhorn. So there's uh, mandatory you know, runs. Yeah, and then and then if the grooming's good enough, we we've, we've got time for some extras. There's mandatory runs that get done every single night, and then w if we have extra time, then we do what, what we call extra runs that aren't mandatory, uh, but you know we 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 shuffle through them throughout the uh, the week. But it all depends, you know. It's it's about getting caught up after the storm, and right now we're pretty caught up, so we're in, we're in good shape right now. Do. Do all those nights out on the cat alone, you know, radioing with your teammates and your cohorts, uh, listening to some music, staying warm, has that has it become a place of zen for you, or is it still more like ah, oh, I gotta go so to work? So what I kind of like uh, <coughs> like it too yeah. was have you ever seen those guys who break the sand and they're almost like in a meditative state? The, you know, the, sand the monks, the monks, yeah. the monks who put down the sand mandalas, <coughs> and then they rake it. It's almost like like they it, breaking the sand puts them in a meditative state. And I clearing think it exemplifies that everything dies. Yeah, so right? it kind of just like grooming. I like, I mean, laying down corduroy behind my cat definitely puts me in a meditative state. Circle of corduroy. <laughs> Are is the uphilling community? More of a nuisance, or just something that's there? As an uphiller myself, there's a time and place to be where you are. Um, but how do you know that? How do you know where it might be an important the place? Are. There are designated routes on every hill, and, and all the machine operators know where those are. No, well, not about the routes. What if you guys are really working and run, and that's part of the route? Is that just like, oh, well, well it's we, open? We work around that, and the times that people often go up. So... Like, we'll save the last two passes in SPAR for, like, 8 o'clock. Yeah. After most of the uphillers have already gone up, we'll go down and clean up all their stuff. All right, so, your top uphiller annoyance that they, people can improve on? Uh, skiing, skinning up next to you while you're grooming a run, waiting till you finish it, 
and then skiing it in front of you. <laughs> all right, hey. fair enough. Heads up, maybe go to a different run. To all you Wednesday nighters. Wednesday night seems to be the troublemakers. Your number one frustration? Uh, yeah, just skiing. I don't mind uh, an uphiller skiing the corduroy, but while I'm working on it, like I'm working on a finished product, I'm putting all my energy into it, you know, uh, strategizing on the run, making it look good, uh, really putting effort into it. And then while I'm doing it, if you come and like, you know, take that perfectly painted picture and just smear it all up, it's uh, it's kind of a, an annoyance. But, uh, well, you know. We don't come to your work at the very end of your day and then just throw everything off the shelves. Like, that's, it's. it's Thanks for it's, stalking these Advils. <laughs> it's just, it's tough to. To swallow and but, suck it up and kind of move on. But like Pat said, you know, you're an uphiller, and I love to go to buttermilk and uphill. And, Time uh, and place. You know, I even do it on Ajax, so there's, you know, no animosity towards uh, uphillers. You know, I love seeing people out there using the mountain, uh, all, you know, all hours of the day. Uh, it's just while I'm working on a run and you come and mess it up, that's that's my only issue. Uh, any other time, hey, yeah, free raid, I love it. <laughs> if, yeah, exactly. If I don't see it, it doesn't hurt my feelings. It, yeah, exactly. If, it, if the run's done, I'm on to a new one, and, and it happens, you know, you know, I, it, it, no problem. It's so, just while I'm doing it. <laughs> who Who's the rookie of Ohio drivers here on Aspen Mountain? We have John Cody, who did, I don't know if you mentioned in I your mean, account somehow. I mean, technically, if it's many years of ex how many years of experience, it would have to be John, the last person. John Cody, crew. but yeah. he's been here for a decade himself. So it, w it would have been Matt Bradway, but, he's but not here. Bradway uh, left last year. So out of the the four of us, me, Darren, Brad, and John, John, I think is on year ten or eleven. He also went home for a season. Oh no, it'd be Marshall. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's Marshall. Yeah, it would be Marshall. He's coming back on Sunday. Yeah, so Marshall is the rookie on Aspen Mountain of the Ohio crew. Well, as we heard earlier, it's it's Brad's job to sort everything out, so you guys don't need to worry about that kind of stuff. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you got to go to work in here in a little bit, and since you're veterans, you have the shift. What would you say it is, 3.30? So it's the most beautiful shift ever. I get to snowboard every day. Uh, sleep in if I want, and then uh, yeah, we clock in at 3:30, and then work till 11:30 at night. So we get to still sleep normal hours. So ride every day, sleep normal hours. You know, it's it's I love the hours. It, out of any job I've ever had, 3:30 to 11:30 is really the perfect shift. What's what's, what's the graveyard shift you used to do? 12 years of graveyard. <laughs> so what's that timing? 11:30 to 9:30. 11:30 p.m. to 9:30 a.m. Four days a week. And how do you? How do you adjust to life as a human being with that well, schedule? Which you knew me during those years. Uh, I was I was a different person, really. Well, I'd come to your guys' house and you, you guys would pop out of the bedroom at 9 p.m., make some dinner, and be be on your way, and someone would be coming in and going to bed. And uh, you know, it's you, you know, people say, "Oh, you get used to it, you get your schedule, and things like that," but. Even if you have your schedule, you're going to lay down to go to bed, and you're not, you don't sleep. So you really just get used to sleeping about four hours a day. How many years off your life do you think 12 years of graveyard shifts took? 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it, it played a big toll, and, and you know, 
I was young and, and having fun too and not, not necessarily taking care of my body the way I needed to for working a graveyard shift, so that played a big factor. Uh, well, you've recently moved up to Snowmass. It's nice having you in that neighborhood. The village is great. Darren, you still have a, a condo that you share with an ex-girlfriend <laughs> in Aspen, uh, but you've built a cabin in marble, yeah. bought the property, you and friends built the place yourself. Yeah, What's that wow. experience been like? Um, so it has consumed the last four years of my life, and God, I, I to tell that story would take ten more gondola laps. <laughs> yeah, if you want to see the uh, cabin my friends and I built, go to Instagram and look at Wolf Double Underscore Lodge. Uh, if you go to Wolf Double Lodge, Underscore, just to make it really hard to yeah, find. Yeah, the single underscore I think takes you to the uh, the hotel chain with the uh, water parks. <laughs> but. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, you built this? <laughs> no. Uh, so to differentiate myself from that hotel chain, uh, go to Wolf uh, Double Underscore Lodge and uh, see what my friends and I have been up to for the last four years. And yeah, the experience has been insane. It's I, pretty uh, impressive. Yeah, we're one mile away from road access, so everything we needed to build a structure had to be hiked in. I think that's the biggest... Uh, uh, part of the story, but um, I, I YouTube the whole all last four years, and the uh, the whole experience has been documented through video. And I think my next NEPSA award uh, video next fall will be. The You're story. already claiming the award. Uh, it's called the well, NEPSA awards. Yeah, the next oh, the next okay. NEPSAs. Uh, I have won several in the past, and uh, had, took a couple years off to build this cabin. But uh, I think my next film entry will be the story. Building the cabin, yeah. Wolf Lodge, very yeah, cool. So maybe look for that uh, in the fall, October. Pat, what's the weirdest thing that you have seen while grooming snowcats in nearly 15 years on Aspen Mountain? Well, it co tends to come during, you know, big weekends like X Games or the holidays or you know, President's Weekend seems to be a big party weekend for some reason. Spring break, you get. Let's just call them civilians coming up the hill in their street clothes and uh, not being very suited for the outdoors. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, I saw some guy running down Nell Headwall in a pair of Vans slip-ons <laughs> with his shirt wide open and a wife beater underneath and his cell phone in his hand. And he had the biggest smile on his face, but he was in full sprint. And you could see his uphill footprints too. I don't know how long it took him to get there in those shoes. You know, it's one of those things you just kind of shake your shoulders at and just, all right, well, thought I seen it all. Um, one time, we found a girl. She had she was walking across Tower Seven Road in Shush Gully area and had fallen off into the deep snow. And we came across her. She was in good spirits, but there's really no telling how long she had been there. She wasn't making much sense. Um, kind of set her free at the bottom of the gondola. <laughs> It called the proper authorities, I'm sure. <laughs> Darren, weirdest thing you've seen in your oh, tenure out here on the hill? You would think being up here 40 hours a week, you would see some crazy things like a big Remember that guy who used to UFO sled down every night? And you'd just see this Honestly, giant rooster tail of snow flying by you. It looked like, like from a Christmas vacation when he's torpedoing on the saucer sled. I think one of my, yeah, so nothing really <laughs> out of the ordinary you would think otherwise, but uh... I think my favorite was uh, 
So I do a lot of winching up here on Aspen Mountain, and to keep skiers away from the winching area, I do a lot of blockades. I have winch signs, I have lights that blink uh, red and blue to just say, hey, get out of the way. The signs have skulls and crossbones out of them. I even make, I even make a little snow barrier to keep people away from the winch cable, which is very dangerous. Do everything in my power to keep people away. So. Hunter Barr one night comes uh, skiing <laughs> down the mountain during the middle of the night, sees skulls, skull and crossbones, uh, flashing berries and cherries, and misses my snow barrier that I had built, passes everything, hits my snow barrier, double ejects, front flips through the snow, and completely eats it. I didn't see it, but he called me and told me about it, and I was like, dude, why did you ignore everything that I had right there? He's like, oh, I, I thought that stuff was set up for a wedding going on at the top. <laughs> I was just like, what, what are you talking about? Maybe a about? reminder just to, you know, really check your situation, your scenario when you're out here during the day or at night. Yeah, I do everything in my so power to keep people. I do everything in my power to keep people away from that winch uh, cable. So yeah, for people skinning up in the middle of the night, if you see uh, blinking lights, uh, a skull and crossbones, stay out of the area. That winch cable is super dangerous. Can definitely uh, injure or or worse uh, if you come in contact with that thing. So all the warning signs are there. If you see them, definitely stay away from the winching area. <laughs> well. It needs to be because I've definitely come into contact with people. I had uh, two kids step over that winch cable earlier this year, and it's just like they're just trying to grind guys. it, bro. It doesn't apply to them. Yeah, you know they do this every yeah, day. Yeah, so. keep your heads up, and you two, we're getting to the top. Keep the solid Ohio characters coming. We've met a lot of great people through you guys. We brought a lot of vibrancy to the town of Aspen and the Roaring Fork Valley as a whole. So we do appreciate that. And I, uh, I just came out of the Absha office and placed a bid. So if everyone out there would just uh, say a little prayer for me. <laughs> nice. Maybe we'll get Brad here on uh, volume two. Over 10 at any given time, Ohio cat drivers making the trails what they are here at Aspen Snowmass. I want you guys to see more weird stuff. There's the UFOs flying up around here. Make sure you're No, that's just when you're staying up. up too late and you're seeing stuff. <laughs> well, let's see one more run before you guys go and take care of this mountain. It's a pleasure riding with you guys. You're hard to keep hey, up man, with. Uh, one thing really quick is driving a snowcat on Friday nights. I really enjoy listening to you on uh, Roots Rock Techno. So keep that up. I, I'm always tuned into you guys over there. I got, I got Dave here on the gondola with us and John, part of the committee, who helped make that show fun. So thanks for a fun day skiing, guys. That's the gondola cast number four.